Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. You know, some people uh, have asked me, why do I say that? Well, maybe you're thinking I'm trying to be a little all-inclusive, and the fact of the matter is, yeah, that's, that's part of it. But uh, let me give you a history and a theology lesson in less than a minute. Because there's actually a double entendre here every time I say things like this. So this saying actually goes back to the mid-1500s or even beforehand, early 1500s, with the reformer Martin Luther, and he had a famous slogan, and his slogan was Simul Justice et Peccator, and you'll see it there at the bottom of your screen, which translated means simultaneously righteous and sinner. Now, what Luther taught uh, was that every believer, we are simultaneously sinner and saint, and uh, we're 100% of both all the time. So it's a theological thought. So at any moment in time, like I never want to miss anybody in my greetings to you every Sunday. So good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. And now we can move on. This year, uh, at Christmas, we've been on a journey. And today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And uh, we've been working around the various candles, as you can see behind me, uh, uh, on the wreath. And I hope that God has used uh, the devotional readings that we've had, our Zoom Advent gatherings, uh, but especially our worship gatherings, our worship times, to activate Advent in your life. So over the weeks we have seen hope as an important part of the Christmas story. We've seen peace as an important part of the Christmas story. We've seen from last week uh, both Kevin and Julia Garrett's incarceration and the theme of joy as an important part of the Christmas story. And now we come to love. And I would venture to say that love is the most important part of all. But not just any kind of love, it's all about God's love. Christmas is a message of God's love for us, and we all have a part to play in the story. And at this point in our history, this COVID history, I feel that if we're going to be a part of this Christmas story as believers, we're called to make the hard choice or choices to love. And I don't use that phrase, hard choice, lightly. I, I use it because loving this world, loving one another requires something from us. And it's more than just wearing a mask, and it's more than just practicing social distancing. It actually requires us to invest in other people. It requires us to give of ourselves. And most of all, love requires us to be willing to be changed. Think about that. You remember a couple of weeks ago that list of Christmas movies that I went through in different Christmas shows. And again, I have to say this, Hallmark movies don't count. I'm just throwing it out there. But I started to think about a lot of those Christmas shows, and I, uh, uh, specifically the ones that I like, where the main character often goes through some sort of transformation. And when you think about it, as, uh, as much as these are Christmas stories or Christmas movies, they can actually be Advent stories as well. Because Advent is all about getting ready. Advent is all about our own personal transformation. It's about preparing our heart for someone who's coming and about opening it up into new ways of being. Now, Christians are supposed to transform the world for good. And when you think about it, that's a tall order. And it's, it's hard to change the world, is it not? But we can do our best, we can work for good, we can pray for peace, but in the end, we find out an important truth. And that is you can't create love in the world until really you find love in yourself. And it's that love within us that changes us. 
Even Christmas movies know this. When we turn them on, Scrooge realizes the error of his ways and his heart is transformed and he goes uh, uh, from being stingy to, to giving generously. Charlie Brown finds meaning with that sad little Christmas tree despite the fact that the whole world has gone commercial and nobody really understands what Christmas is about anymore. Or uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, in the end you find Clark Griswold. He just wanted the perfect Christmas, right? But he finds the love of his family despite the fact that just about everything else uh, in, in his life has gone wrong. And so if we're really serious about Advent, if we're really serious about preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ, if we are truly using this season to focus on what is coming, there is no way that we won't be changed by it. You know, maybe we won't have a big, miraculous, family-jammed, you know, carol-filled Christmas morning this year. But inside of our heart, if you listen closely, you'll hear the change happening and you'll hear and feel the love filling us. And as powerful as that love is inside of us, it's even more powerful when we begin to share it. What if in the face of all that we find troubling in this world, we showed the world what God's love really means? What if we showed how powerful it could actually be? You've all probably watched or read How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It starts out very familiar. Everyone who... Oh, sorry, let me try that again. That wasn't so familiar. It starts off like this. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch who just lived north of Whoville did not. As we know from the story, the Grinch hates the celebrations. He hates the singing, hates the presents, hates the whole thing. So he devises this plan to slip down into town that night, bag up all the trappings of Christmas, take all the presents and ruin Christmas for everybody. And he does just that beautifully. And the next morning, as he stands over the mountain waiting for the people to wake up and to be absolutely devastated that they were robbed of their Christmas. Well, watch this. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. <laughs> He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. <laughs> Mr. Grinch! And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas. He thought. Doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas. Perhaps. 
means a little bit more. Then, well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. One of the best movies. You know, the Grinch returns all of the things that he took, and he's welcome to the feast. He even carves the roast beast. And when he saw the love that the Who's had, and he realized that, that this love was inside of them, he, and, and it couldn't be taken away, that's when he realized what it was all about. That's when he was changed as well. You and I were not Who's from Whoville. I trust that we are Christians. And we are the people who spend time, we spend this year preparing our hearts for the one who is yet to come. And we are being transformed in that process. And we have something that we can share with the world. This time of year, no matter what is happening around us, we're called to prepare our hearts to love anyway. We're asked to open them up. We're asked to get ready to welcome Christ into the world. But more than that, we are also called to love the world. There's a song I remember listening to as a kid at Christmas time, and it, you know, here's here's my age. It was done by the Jackson Five, but I'm going to guarantee that most of you haven't heard it yet. That is, unless you've listened to the new mix by John Legend, which is absolutely fabulous. The song is called "Give Love on Christmas Day." Now. The words of this particular song are actually quite powerful, and the opening line goes like this. People making lists, buying special gifts, taking time to be kind to one and all. It's that time of year when good friends are near, and you wish you could give more than just presents from a store. Why don't you give love on Christmas Day? Oh, even the man who has everything would be so happy if you would bring him love on Christmas Day. No greater gift is there than love. The song and its lyrics have always appealed to me. But do you ever notice that most people talk about gifts and, and presents around Christmas time, but you, you don't see a lot of people talking about love? And so many folks are focusing their attention on their money or their credit cards, but few really are thinking about charity and kindness. And to be honest, I have rarely heard this song played in any stores over the holidays. And yet, this song reminds me to this days of the ways in which, and I quote from the lyrics, even the man who has everything would be so happy if you would bring love. 
I mentioned a few weeks ago, I binge-watched The Crown on Netflix. The scene that goes back to 1936 where King Edward VIII shocks the world. He gives up his throne in order to marry Wallace Simpson. But because she was divorced and she was an American, uh, she wasn't accepted by the British government. And so this once very popular king gives up the throne to marry the woman he loves. But when you think of it, you know, King Edward was not the first king to abdicate a throne because of love. More than 2,000 years ago, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, humbles himself by taking on the flesh of a human, a baby, so as to provide salvation for the ones he loved. And that's the Christmas story. The Christmas story is all about love, and I want to leave you with four chapters of love this Christmas. Four chapters of love at Christmas this morning. Because there would be no Christmas without love. And all four of these chapters are important parts of the Christmas story. The first chapter, that's Joseph's love for Mary. An incredibly important chapter in the Christmas story. And you might say, well, of course he loved Mary. They were engaged. But again, you have to remember, yes, they were engaged to be married. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Joseph loved her. Because in that day, in that time, people often got married for reasons other than love. Marriage were typically arranged by the parents. And many times, marriage was viewed more as a social or an economic relationship rather than a romantically based relationship. But how do we know that Joseph loved Mary? We know because of his response when Mary was found to be pregnant during the engagement, before they were married, before they had come together as husband and wife. We read this in Matthew chapter 1 where it says this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So as far as Joseph knew, Mary had been unfaithful to him and she had slept with somebody else and gotten pregnant. You think about it, Joseph must have felt completely betrayed by this. And he'd have every right to be angry, he'd have every right to be upset with her. And he had several options at play here, and he could have just walked away from the relationship in anger. He could have dragged her before the religious court, the Sanhedrin, and had her tried for adultery. That would have been a really vindictive mood. You know, at, at the very least, she would be publicly disgraced, and at the worst, she could be actually sentenced to death by stoning. But what does he do instead? He chooses another option. He decided that he would divorce her quietly. You know, sure, people would still know and they'd still talk, right? Everybody did social media all about Mary, but that, that's unavoidable. But at least she wouldn't go through the public humiliation of a trial. So Joseph has several options open to him, and he chose the way of love, when you think about it. He, he chose the way that would bring the least amount of shame and attention to Mary. You'll remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when we read about love, and love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And Joseph chose to protect Mary, even when he thought that she had been unfaithful to him. He was going to divorce her quietly. But yet it wasn't over. Joseph also makes another self-sacrificing decision based on love. He stays with Mary. And he raises this baby 
that is not physically his. And I believe that Joseph's love for Mary is our first example of love at Christmas. The second we have is Mary's love for Jesus. We read in Luke chapter 2 that while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them at the end. And this, of course, is the center of the Christmas story. The actual birth of Christ, that first Christmas Eve. Mary gives birth to her firstborn, which is a son. She wraps him tenderly in baby blankets, lays him in a manger. So, just so we're clear, I've been told, I hope you're tracking with me now, I've been told that there's a natural love between every mother and child that she bears. Because that child has been inside of her for months. She has given life to this child. And for nine months, she has nourished this child with her own body. She has felt every move, every kick, every turn. All the mothers can say amen. She has dreamed and imagined what this child would look like. She has gone through the long months of pregnancy, the hard sacrifice of labor, the pain of childbirth. And then now she holds the newborn child in her arms. How could she not love this beautiful new human being who has come from her own body? And Mary's love for Jesus has also been uh, indicated in other ways by Scripture. For example, after the shepherds visited Joseph and Mary and then went into the town spreading the word about Jesus, we read in Luke chapter 2 that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That word treasure, that, that's an interesting word. It means to preserve or to, to keep in mind or to even to keep thinking about something so that you'll never forget it. And the word uh, translated pondered is a word that means to, to bring together, to think deeply or to reflect upon something. And so together these words tell us that Mary didn't want to lose a single memory of all that happened that night. She kept running through the events over and over again in her mind so she would never forget. She thought deeply about these happenings, you know, bringing all the individual memories together, wondering what could it all mean. And so Mary's love for Jesus was reflected in her very thoughts about Him. Her thoughts were focused uh, on Jesus. She made every effort to remember every detail as she sought to understand the meaning of His birth. Her love for Jesus was also revealed by the words of Simeon when he spoke over Jesus in, uh, in the temple. Remember Simeon. God promised Simeon that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah. So God's Spirit moves on Simeon to go to the temple courts, and he does that. And just as he does that, he sees Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus into the temple to present him as the custom asked for. And so Simeon looks at Jesus and takes him into his arms and begins to prophesy over him. But then Simeon also speaks to Mary. We read about it again in Luke chapter 2. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So in effect, Simeon told Mary that there's very, a lot of difficult days ahead for her son. Mary didn't know how difficult the time would be, but Simeon gave her a forewarning when he told her that a sword would pierce your own soul as well. 
true, true to this word of prophecy. Mary suffered greatly as Jesus grew to be a man. We just think he was a perfect child, and in some way he was, but he was no ordinary son. He belonged first to his heavenly father. He reminds Mary in the temple when he was 12 years old, you know, in Luke chapter 2, you know, it's, it's me and my father. I've got to be about his business. He operated on his own timetable, not on hers. And as he, he made that clear to her also in John chapter 2 at the wedding in Canaan, when Jesus' ministry started attracting all these great numbers and he and his disciples couldn't even eat, his family thought that Jesus was out of his mind. They wanted to take charge of him and, and basically lock him up. And when it came time for Jesus to die, Mary was there at the cross. John tells us that she was near the cross as she watched her son suffer and die in shame. And so, yes, Simeon's words were absolutely brutally true. A sword would pierce Mary's own soul too. Why? Because her son was destined to suffer and die, and she loved her son deeply. And that's the second chapter of love. That, that is part of the Christmas story. Mary's love for Jesus. The third chapter of love at Christmas is God's love for humankind. And this is really the heart of the Christmas story. The Christmas story is all about love. Joseph's love for Mary and Mary's love for Jesus are both really important parts of the story, but they are not the most important part. The central message of love at Christmas is God's love for you and for me. And this is evident from the angel's words to Joseph about Mary in Matthew chapter 1. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Why was Jesus born into our world at Christmas? It's all in his name. The name Jesus means Savior or salvation. And Jesus was born into our world to save people from their sins. We read in John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but save the world through him. The greatest gift ever given at Christmas was the gift of God's own Son. God gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus didn't merely come into the world. He was sent into the world. And God the Father sends His Son into the world not to condemn it, but to save the world through Him. If you ever doubt that God loves you, you just need to look at his son, Jesus. Look at Jesus, the child born into the world as a baby at Christmas. Look at Jesus, the man teaching people, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among people. Look at Jesus, the Savior, suffering and dying on the cross for your sins and mine to bring us to God. Look at Jesus the King, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, coming back for you and for me to take us to be with Him so that we may also be, be where He is forever. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love, for you are in Christ. Paul writes in Romans, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, we've looked at Joseph's love for Mary. We looked at Mary's love for Jesus. We looked at God's love for humankind. But there's one more chapter of love. And it's one more chapter at Christmas that we can't leave out. And that is our love for one another. The Bible makes a clear, unbreakable connection between God's love for us and our love for each other. We read this in 1 John 4. This is love, that, that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Notice that God's love comes first. God, God's love always comes first. God's love in creating the world. God's love in promising a Savior. God's love in sending His Son to the world. God's love in Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. God's love always comes first. But then our love should follow. Again, John writes, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Our love for others should follow, not merely as an obligation, but as a natural outflow of God's love for us. If God loved you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you, then how can you not love others in return? And if God loved others so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for them, how can you not love them as well? And so Christmas is not only a reminder of how much God loves you, but it's also how much you should love other people. Is there somebody that needs your help this Christmas? Is there someone that you need to reach out to this Christmas? Is there somebody that you need to forgive this Christmas? See, God showed His love for us at Christmas by sending His Son into the world as a sacrifice for our sins. So how then will you show your love to others this Christmas? I like how the author Jim Dennison puts it. He says this, When you consider what Jesus gave up to come at Christmas for you, please never wonder again if God loves you. Never wonder again if He knows your problems or feels your pain. Never wonder again if you are worthy of being loved because you are loved by the God of the entire universe. And when you consider what Jesus gave up for you at Christmas, never wonder how you can repay Him. You can do what He did. You can love those He loves. You can serve those He serves. You can prove He loves them by the way you love them. Newsflash to our premier. Christmas isn't canceled. Christmas still happens. Christmas, this doesn't happen once in a point of history. Christmas happens all the time. And because Christmas just may be about the story that we read for some, but it's also about Mary and Joseph and their love. It's about this baby in the manger. It's about no room at the end, but that's not the end of the story. That story keeps going on. And a great Christmas story continues to play out year after year. And I would also add day after day. And the truly incredible thing is that you and I are invited onto the stage and we even get to choose our own lines in this play in this movie and so as we prepare for christmas eve it's just a few days from now here's the big question 
How is your chapter going to read? My hope is that your chapter is going to be full of the words and the actions of one who wants to magnify God, who wants to live out Christmas. And my hope really is that you'll be the one person who has been transformed by the love of God, by the peace of God, and who now wants to love the world because of God. The Grinch, Scrooge, Charlie Brown, George Bailey, all the rest, all those great stories, right? But listen, so is yours. And this Christmas, if you really open your heart to the love of Christ this year, then your story is about to get really good. And I personally can't wait to hear it. And neither can a world, when you think about that, can use some good stories right now. Finally, I want to share a story of love with you. Back to that song, Give Love on Christmas Day. The, the, the song ends with the verse and it, it goes like this. You know, what the world needs is love. Yes, the world needs your love. Give love, oh, oh give love on Christmas Day. And uh, almost on every rendition, that's, that's how the song fades to end. But there's actually part of the lyrics that you won't hear. Uh, you'll never hear, but it's actually part of the song. And it's this. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry, every Susie too, needs love every bit as much as you. I thought, how appropriate. How appropriate that every, everyone needs love as much as you. I want to end today my life lesson with talking about the love of this community. Our challenge this year was to give at Christmas to two projects. The first being Living Word Temple, providing 12 families and 30 kids with a food hamper and presents. The other being the Manguanini Care Point in East Swatini, where kids and their parents are, are, are struggling and starving to find food, and they're fed once a day out of this care point. So we did the math, and we decided that we would come up with a number, and uh, we decided to do the food hampers first and the gifts, and you know, just for the, the gifts and the food hampers for these 12 families and 30 kids, it was about $2,500, and we'd be able to feed, you know, and... Uh, um, give gifts for these kids. And then I began to ask questions about the care point and how much it would cost out there to do some feeding, and I was told it cost $980 Canadian a month. And so I had to come up with a number. I had to come up with something in my head, and I approached, it was Allison, and I, I said to her, you know, I, I have a number in my head for these projects. If we do, if we can reach this number, it would be just, it would be perfect. And she's looking at me, wanting to know, because she needs to know the numbers. And I said, well, my number, and it stays between me and you, is $10,000. If we can do $10,000, that, that would be perfect. 6000 of that would go to Iswatini. It would take pressure off the organization to feed those kids for, for six months. And the remaining uh, $4,000 could go to Living Word with extra money being turned into food for their emergency food bank. And then it's a win-win if we could just do ten grand. Well, I want to gladly announce that to date because we know more money is even going to come in after I've shared this with you today that we have received over $20,000. So just so you know, 
we have to do math all over again. And so what we have decided is that $12,000 is going to go to East Swatini to ensure that the Manguini Care Point has the basics in food for one year. And with the cost of the hampers and the gifts roughly being $2,500, the remainder of all the cash that will be donated is going to go stock the shelves with food at Living Word. And so that, to date, uh, that number is approximately $5,500. And anything else that comes in from this time on is going into Living Word. Now that is love in action. And on behalf of both Manguini and Living Word Temple, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. That is love in action. Let's pray. Jesus, you brought love to those who were unloved. You brought hope to those who had nothing to look forward to. You brought peace to those who were full of anxious daily cares. But you also brought judgment to those who thought they were good and, you, and to those who were content with their own lives and to those who looked down on other people and who were sure that they knew everything about God. We pray that you will come into our lives at this time to, to turn us all again to you. Help us to see ourselves as we really are and to remove from each other all uh, each one of us, all that is unworthy so that we may truly share in your kingdom and know the joy of your loving presence. And Jesus, we pray that you'll prepare us for the, your coming into the world, that in these difficult times you will drive away despair from our politics and, uh, and that you will revive our dreams of justice, that you will restore our passion for what is right, for what is good, and for what is true. And may your love motivate our care for our neighborhood and for the wider community and help us all to play a part in helping to overcome the social ills that drag so many into despair. And I thank you for the generosity of this community. Too often we've been silent, we've missed opportunities to share with others the message of love which you brought into this world. And we ask that you would give all of us the unquestioning faith, a, a deep faith of Mary, and show us a new way to live. So that with your forgiveness, and with your awareness of your presence, that we can truly claim to follow you in thought, in word, and in deed. And I pray this for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Soul Sanctuary. Just as God's Word was sent into the world to heal and to redeem, so God sends you into the world this day to be light and love and healing and hope. Go now to be light for the world. And may Christ the light illuminate your darkest moments. And may the grace and peace of God the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer come upon you this day. And may the Holy Spirit of steadfast love guide you until we can worship together again. Now go and live the church and have a Merry Christmas.